0: From Nice Sky Productions overlooking the glamorous San Fernando Valley, I'm Mick Garris and this is Postmortem. What is a monster movie without great monsters? What is a slasher movie without great kills? What is a horror film without the masters of makeup effects? Coincidentally, the title of a book written by one of our guests on this episode. The people who make us believe that horrendous creatures of the imagination can exist can convince us that we are seeing bodies rent asunder, show us through the fingers covering our eyes, horrors beyond what we ourselves could never imagine. They are artists. They are master craftsmen and women. They are crucial elements in the creation of our cinematic fears. We've had many of the greatest makeup effects artists in the world on postmortem, and today, two of them are returning together as the team that they have been for over four decades. Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger, the N&B of KNB Effects Group, not only have created a diversified Oscar-winning effects company, but they still work on projects of every size. They are at the top of their game, working on huge studio tentpoles, television, and tiny independents alike. They are in it for the love, the passion, the art, and the joy of creation, of working with veteran filmmakers and those new to the craft. But here's a very special point about Greg and Howard and KNB. Once you work with them, you will work with them again, any way you can, because they are not only great at what they do, they are a joy to work with in every capacity. I've worked with them many times, and we've become great friends in the process. I'm excited to have them together on postmortem after having them each on the show on their own. So please welcome back to the podcast, Returning Champions, Gregory Nicotero and Howard Berger.
1: oh thanks. That was a great introduction. Wow. Thanks, Mick. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> you Very
0: guys nice. are just—you know—it's it, really true. You're great artists, but you're really great guys. I have never seen a temper tantrum on a set on the many sets that we've worked on together and howard you are the onset guy so often and you're such a calming force and you befriend everybody you know it's <laughs> the day starts in the makeup trailer yeah and it's true it's, it's an amazing psychological beginning to every shoot and and i love your demeanor and both of you guys have maintained that throughout all of your successes and it amazes me and impresses me that you're both eager to just do the work and happily do the work and take on the challenges and work on any size projects. That's, it's so commendable.
1: Well, you know, I think, I think, um, you know, k b has been around for, well, it's going on its 20 or on its 36th year in, in February, 2024. And Greg and I have been friends since uh, 1984 when we first met on day of the dead. Um, you know, I got hired, uh, John Vulich, uh, recommended myself and ever Burrell, and we flew in to Pittsburgh not knowing anything. I think I was nineteen years old, and the first person I met was Greg Nicotero. and uh, you know, I little did I know that that Greg and I would be be great friends for all these years and and virtually brothers um my relationship with greg is the longest relationship i've had with anybody (laughs) uh you know and and it's been great and that's really what's driven kane be on top of the fact that you know we're both super fans of everything we love it all we love movies we love monsters we love makeup effects we love uh we love doing it all you know and that's what kind of fuels the shop and fuels each one of us and and you know we 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 also have different interests, you know, it's not like we like the same thing. I think if that was the case, it it would, the the company wouldn't run as well, but we're so diverse in what we like that we're able to cover the entire gambit of all the different projects that we do, you know, be it Mm -hmm. Walking Dead or be it Narnia or be it, you know, we just, we, we like to do it all, but yeah, and, and set work, you know, Greg, obviously, we'll 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 jump in here but you know i mean it's it's also i'm just going to sing greg's praises real quick um you know it's been it's been great watching greg you know grow into this you know this this leader uh you know uh, yeah but i mean really it's like he if you think about it he is the only guy who went from being a makeup effects artist to being a successful director writer producer you know creator Showrunner, you know, I mean nobody else has ever done it. We've had makeup effects people in the past try and you know, yeah. Like Chris Stan- wayless directed. Yeah, Chris did, and yeah, and he, he yeah. made
0: some movies and the like, but right, yeah, Greg. I mean, starting, I remember seeing the United Monster Talent Agency, mm-hmm. your first short film, Greg. Uh, and that was so much fun and such a a, a love letter to the Universal Monster movies, but your start began together working for George Romero. Tell me about that. That had to be the greatest, the greatest garden from which to grow your talents,
2: without a doubt. But I mean, look, we we have to sort of back up for a second and and look at the uh, look at what the the filmmaking world was like around that time. I mean, I feel like Howard and I sort of hit the scene. If it had been two years later it would have been a whole different ball game. You know, we were, we had come right off of, you know, that big wave from 1977 to 1984. And you look at all the movies that were made in that, in that time period. I remember like summer of 1980 and 81 and 82 and the movies every weekend, it was a John Carpenter movie, a Steven Spielberg movie, you know, a, a George Romero movie, a Wes Craven movie. Like there were, you 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 were inundated with genre material um that that really fueled not only the desire to become filmmakers, but the desire to to be a part of this genre that that was so at that time mesmerizing and captivating. And and I, I think we were really fortunate. You know, I, I grew up in Pittsburgh and lived about Thirty minutes from George and and met him, <clears throat> you know. Lo and behold, because of a relationship with my uncle, who was one of the actors in The Crazies, and you know, I was the guy who got hired on Day of the Dead to be Tom's assistant and sort of put Tom's um, Tom Savini, yeah, Tom Savini to organize his his department. And you know, when we got to the point where we needed to go to set, I remember. John Volich just saying, look, we need more makeup artists and we need people that have experience and they're not not there wasn't a lot of people in Pittsburgh that had the chops that Everett and, and Howard had because they had been working um at uh with John Beakler in LA and sort of, you know, kind of proving themselves and Howard would show up and show his portfolio to Stan Winston. So we we really I think we we really got into it right at the perfect like the stars lined up when we met and you know and we also have to acknowledge the fact that we were all working on the sequel to dawn of the dead which is without a doubt one of the greatest horror movies ever made and 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 the idea that that as i think i was just about to turn 21 Howard was 19, Everett was 18. Like we had to sneak them into bars because they couldn't get in. <laughs> but to be able to, to be a part of a movie like that that had the pedigree, it's like your, your first job, you win the lottery. I mean, like we won the lottery in our first job, amazingly enough. So, so there was a lot of um, as we continued to sort of navigate our way from from me from Pittsburgh to L.A. and moved in with Howard and his family and and his sisters and um and just navigating this world, it, you know, we I felt like everything really, really lined up for us. And and I, I'll let Howard jump in in a second. But, you know, and then within two years of K&B's inception, we were working on Dances with Wolves like we we sort of stepped like we we went up this ladder, this five hundred foot ladder. Within two years, we were four hundred feet up the ladder without even really realizing how we got there. We just were there.
0: And and this explosion, I mean, first of all, the meeting in nineteen eighty four on the same job led to this this partnership and friendship that is stronger today than it's ever been. Yeah. Um. But it was at that time in the mid and late eighties. Everything was all about slashers. It's all about ripping bodies apart. It wasn't so much about making monsters, which came later, kind of in the wake of the thing in a lot of ways. Um, And, you know, the werewolf movies like uh, The Howling had already happened in 81, American Werewolf. But they were the exceptions. Mostly, they were kills. They were Friday the 13th movies. They were slasher movies. What was your experience in that atmosphere at that time were you wanting to make monsters were you were you, you know i know savini had been a medic and used a lot of his background in the military service in creating the realistic kills for the movies he worked on so what were you guys looking to do
1: i think you know i mean when we started k we were already monster lovers i mean because that's the base of it you know um and at first when we started k and b and bob kurtzman was was the the k at that point right as well with us and um and bob's been out of our company what greg 19 Four, 20 20, 20 years. years 20 years yeah, years, and yeah.
0: He, he became a director as yeah, well yeah was doing yeah he game went game.
1: on to do some directing and but we um you know we were kind of known as the gore guys i mean the first job we got was because greg was talking to scott spiegel who was the co-writer on evil dead 2 and that's how we knew scotty And Scott called Greg and said, hey, I'm going to do this movie called, uh, you know, Intruder or Night Crew. And and can you recommend anybody? And Greg's like, yeah, us. (laughs) So, you know, we we ended up doing the film for like very little money. But Greg said, listen, this is what we want to do. You know, we'll do it for almost nothing. But we want a front card that's a special makeup effects by Kurtzman, Nicotero and Burger EFX Group. And then that kind of kicked it off. And we started to do a lot of low budget horror stuff. And yeah, most of it was gore and so forth. And um, and, you know, people word word traveled that, hey, there's these new guys in town. They have a company. They're really financially reasonable or cheap and uh (laughs) and they do good stuff and they're really present because at that point bob greg and i would be on set (laughs) for everything like we were all connected at the hip you know and really one of the big breaks was even before dances was we did this movie called gross anatomy for disney and we made all these cadavers autopsy cadavers and all this stuff and they we had never done it before but we knew we could and you know that people saw it. And then one day we got a call from Kevin Costner to go meet with him. And we met with him and and he's like, well, I, you know, I know you guys did a bunch of dead bodies. Can you do a bunch of dead Buffalo? And we were looking at each other. Our minds were, you know, telepathically saying, we don't have a clue how to do this. And we just went, yeah, sure. We can do that. <laughs> so we took the job again. Yeah. It was probably more money than we were ever paid, but it still was completely insignificant. What did we get?
2: I think we got a hundred. Not even. No, no. We
1: got like 80,000. We got like 80,000, I think. But but what was interesting
2: <laughs> yeah. about the dances with uh, the, the gross anatomy meeting was, uh, um, I don't remember, Howard, if you were there at the first meeting or no, not. But I was Went to Disney and it, Deborah Hill produced it. And, you know, clearly, you know, Deborah had produced all of all of John's uh, really seminal films.
0: John Carpenter.
2: And when you were talking about Tom Savini and his sort of history with being a combat photographer, um, George and Chris Romero had told Deborah Hill that I had been pre-med when I worked on Day of the Dead. Because George used to joke all the time and say, man, you could have been you would have been the best fucking doctor. And I ruined it for you <laughs> because now, you know, <clears throat> now you're this crazy effects guy. And I always used to say, George, I think I'll be OK. I appreciate <laughs> it. But I think I'll be fine. But that was one of the things that that helped secure Gross anatomy was that when I went in and had the meeting, Deborah had checked up on us and called George Romero, and George had said, "Oh yeah, they're they're great," and you know, Greg pre, was pre med, so he understands and and studied all the anatomy. So for a long time, and I'll never forget because we had we had bid on a movie. Called uh, um, what was the 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 freak freaked right Howard? The oh yeah, yeah, Alex, yeah, Winter Alex Winters. Movie. Movie. Yeah, the Alex yeah, Winters. So, we yeah. had bid on that movie and we sent our portfolio in and, and our demo reel and everything. And now that was we something
0: that showed real imaginative stuff in addition to just biological accuracy. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. That's right, that's right. But interestingly enough, at that point, our reel was almost solely comprised of realistic replicas, mm-hmm. animals, humans. And we didn't get the job because they thought, oh, your stuff isn't outrageous enough. It needs to be more outrageous. And and I remember thinking like, oh, well, that's, I, I guess part of what you have to understand is it's all in comparison to what you're asked to do. Right. You know, if you're asked to create a realistic buffalo, um, then you have to create a realistic buffalo. You can't make, you know, a great a crazy forehead. monster. Yeah. <laughs> so we were. I, I always remembered that as it that our work was sort of scrutinized as as being hyper realistic, and we kind of went well, great. Then we sort of went with that, and that became our calling card for a long time. And people knew that they could come to us for that caliber and that quality of work. And, you know, if they wanted, like, the super crazy stuff, they'd call Rob Roboteen or they would call Steve Johnson. But that didn't mean that we couldn't do it. It just meant that we hadn't really had the opportunity to do it.
0: Right, or Screaming Mad George or something. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: something like that. (laughs) Uh, Let me just, I'm going to backstep and just tell a quick story that before Greg moved to L.A., and I love this story, and I remember it like it was yesterday. So Greg and I, during Day of the Dead, I mean, we were connected at the hip, and we started to grow our hair because, you know, 80s. You know, makeup effects guys have long hair, and rock and roll and all that stuff. Yeah. And we went to his parents' house uh, in North Hills in, in, in Pittsburgh. And I remember his dad, who's a very prominent doctor, was sitting there, uh, you know, with like one eyebrow raised. And and Greg and I <laughs> are like, so Greg's going to move to L.A. and he's, we're going to do makeup effects. And his dad just sat there for a little bit and looked at us and said, you will be nothing with hair like that. <laughs> and I was like, OK, so fast forward mm-hmm. to the we go to the Emmys, the first year Evil or uh, the first year Walking Dead is is nominated and, and and we all win. And Jim and Connie, Greg's folks, come with us. And I after we won, I turned to Jim and I said, so are we still nothing with hair like that? And it's like <laughs> I was I was totally wrong. Totally wrong. OK, OK, forget it. Never. I'm, I'm sorry I even said that. At least so, he admitted
0: it. I had the yeah. same thing with my grandmother. <laughs> you know, I was always into into horror movies as a kid and she said uh, you know where is that ever going to get you and i said well <laughs> a fairly decent career thank you very much yeah
1: yeah yeah. no it's crazy but yeah i mean one thing led to another led to another and and uh, you know the three of us bob greg and myself were were busy non-stop can be worked year round you know we took off like two weeks for christmas that was it but we always had a job and we never discriminated against you know the size of the show or the financial budget of the show and it was just always something we were looking to do if it was interesting we were up for it you know And, and it was always a challenge. And, you know, we started with a very small shop, 800 square foot facility that was like a bowling alley. And then we moved to a 2,700 square foot, then we moved to a 3,500 square foot, then we moved to a 12,000 and we're like, this place is so huge. Then we moved to like a 25,000 and now we're like in a 20,000 plus uh, you know ten thousand in storage across the street but it, it's, it's not it's enough pretty room. crazy yeah uh, no, 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 we're, right. always at it. we're always, yeah, we're at always it. yeah greg and i are like <clears throat> dude we got to clear some of this stuff out of here
2: <laughs> i know howard hate and then of course you know because i collect stuff you know howard goes crazy when i have tables with my rep with my props or my stuff all laying all around but you know the other thing about about it at that time was because there was three of us there was no other studio that had three principles. I mean, Alec and Tom came on the scene literally about eight months after us. So even though they, it's like they lie about their age. I love them, but it's very funny. (laughs) But but when Alec and Tom got their first job on Tremors, they rented our studio to have their meeting. So we had started our company um, about eight months earlier. But what that would mean is, is that I could be, on one set, Howard could be on one set and Bob could be on one set. Most of the time, Howard and Bob worked more together on stuff, um, but a lot of it was, we were able to divide and conquer. And by being able to divide and conquer, our resume exploded within three or four years. We had, you know, 30 or 40 movie credits because if I was doing um, Halloween five and, uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 and uh and then Howard was in New York on Tales from the Dark Side, and Bob was sculpting, you know, in the shop making baby gargoyles or wh- whatever. We were actually able to accomplish more because there were there were three of us. And and it was always that's kind of the way our shot worked. You know, if you, you know, like going back to like Alec and Tom, they would usually Sort of co-supervise each show, whereas a lot of times the way that our company ended up going would be, oh, okay, well, I'm going to handle this show, and Howard's going to handle that show, and then he'll have his crew that he'll take the set, and I'll have his, and I'll have my crew. So it was kind of like this unique symbiosis, and I think that that again gave us a unique edge <clears throat> in the industry because of the fact that we were able to take on more jobs and, um, and 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 facilitate the relationships with the filmmakers by being the people on the ground there, you know? Well, that That's led to
0: really strong relationships, you know? Yeah. You work with George, you work with Sam Raimi, and you keep working with Sam Raimi. Yeah. You work with Quentin Tarantino, you keep working with Quentin Tarantino. You work with me, you keep working with me. Yeah. And... You know, these are relationships that are incredibly important because the shorthand between creative forces in making a movie or a television show is so important. When when you find yourself, we're all monster kids. We all came from the same garden. You know, we were all mm-hmm. weeds from the same garden. And you and I, when we're working together, it's so easy and yeah. And, and I know it's that way for you and Sam and you and Quentin. And, you know, it's 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 just a shorthand because it's more than just a business relationship and it's not a temperamental one. You guys are so fluid in how you adapt to creative people you're working with.
1: Well, I think that's, you know, I mean, that's just the way we are you know and i i think our industry is that way um you know because you're always having to you you know get they throw curveballs everybody throws curveballs and you can't sit there and have a wing out or Panic. You just figure out how to do it, you know, and we also always have great crews, you know, I mean, I was trying to figure out, Greg, how many people we've hired in, in 36 years. It's thousands of people we've employed,
2: wow. oh, yeah. you know,
1: I mean, almost I think almost everybody has worked with K&B, which has been great and, and so many people. Um, but we always we have really talented people that work with us. And and that really, uh, you know, that helps a tremendous, tremendously, you know, but it, it is important, like Greg had said, you know, we're very invested and personally invested in every show we do. And we're on set for every show we do. And I think that's a a big thing. I mean, listen, you prior to working with us, Mick, I'm sure there were shows where you hired somebody and then you never saw the person you hired, but a crew came on set. And, and I know that happens with a lot of filmmakers and then that's, Yeah. yeah, what Greg and I decided early is we didn't want any phone calls at midnight from production so it's like the only way to supersede that is to be on set and take care of the job and do the best plus we love it that's the thing i i love being on set so much i mean i'm a makeup artist you know and and um you know, it's it's and then you develop a shorthand with each director. You know, you know when Sam Raimi says, Ah, can we put a witchy pooch chin on it? You know exactly yeah, what that means, means. right?
2: Horror hag, yeah, I need him.
1: it's yeah, oh, it's gonna be horrible. It's gonna be it's gonna scare yeah. the ghouls, you know. And you're like, <laughs> Okay, I know what he wants. You know, it's like I, I work a lot with Peter Berg. I'm I'm you know, gotta go back and finish uh this show. It's my ninth movie with Pete, and I I know. I have a shorthand with Pete Berg and, you know, a wonderful
0: just, director who was an actor yeah. first.
1: Excellent. Yeah. 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 Good actor, great director, a really great person. And, and, you know, you just develop things. Greg has a shorthand with the, the directors he works with, you know, and, and it's, it's the only way to do it. You, you understand. I mean, I remember when Greg and I were on um, Green Mile and um um uh we had an actress uh patricia clarkson who you know starts deteriorating and and they did some test makeups we weren't involved and and frank it wasn't hitting it for frank darabont who was the director and then frank just said to us vampires guys come on john carpenter's vampires and right away it clicked and greg and i are like i know what we need to do and I ended up going to set and applying the makeup and I was terrified the whole time because, you know, under the watchful eye of Frank and I'm working with Patricia Clarkson, who's, you know, I admire immensely. And luckily it only played two days, uh, but uh, <laughs> it was great. And Frank's like, that's exactly what I wanted. But that's all he needed to say to Greg and I is like John Carpenter's vampires. And we're like, OK, we know what you want. <laughs> you
2: know, <laughs> other, and I think the other interesting thing is. You know, as the as the industry evolved, because you know, y- you talk about the mid '90s and you know the advent of digital technology, and you know there were a lot of companies that that tried to jump into the digital effects world without the the knowledge or the understanding of how to do it. A lot of people said, "We're going to open a digital wing and we're going to do all this," and uh, and it and it and it ended up really biting a lot of people because everybody wanted to fight it. Everybody was like, we're going to fight it. You know, we got to prove to them that practical is better. And, you know, my, my feeling always has been, look, we're, we're artists and you have to, you have to work with the tool that accomplishes the, the, the best results. So we never really felt like we were in competition with digital effects. If if anything else, we got busier because films like Spawn, as um, a perfect example, were getting made and being greenlit and directed and, and uh, produced by visual effects guys. But there was movies that were being greenlit and made that probably wouldn't have been made five years earlier without the advent of digital technology. So we got busier. But then there was this sort of underlying like, oh man, you know, CGI stealing uh, stealing all of our work. And I was like, well, look, you know how to make a dinosaur walk across the parking lot. I would love to see it because I sure as hell don't know how to build that. Um, But I always thought that that was another, not feather in our cap, but another perception of the industry. Because we, you know, again, I, I always consider us filmmakers first and, and effects and effects people second, because you have to you have to be filmmakers. And I think a lot of people that were effects artists that have since retired or don't do it anymore weren't filmmakers. So they didn't understand <clears throat> what the um what the benefits were. And you know, of course. Now, you know, I mean, look, I've been traveling the last couple of weeks and I've done a couple of shows and met a lot, a lot of fans. And, you know, they're all fans who are ravenous for 80s and 90s stuff. They love it. And they're like, thanks for Creep Show keeps, you know, all the practical stuff is so great. Yeah. People prefer it. I mean, look, it's a great tool. But when somebody watches a Marvel movie versus watches a horror movie with a cool, practical creature, they respond to it differently. You just can't help it. That's just the reality of it. But there's there's also
0: a a great marriage between the two. You know, you can make, you can achieve things that you couldn't quite achieve practically with whether it's just blending a seam that you couldn't get rid of before or making an eye dilate or blink or, you know, work in ways that you couldn't necessarily do mechanically. But the best cgi effects are the ones you don't realize are cgi effects
1: yeah. no absolutely yeah. and 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 that's really the trick i mean like greg was saying earlier that i felt there were three options you know when 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 we all went to see jurassic park we all looked at each other and said we're extinct but, <laughs> but we weren't um and there, well, were, there like, were a right,
0: lot of mechanical dinosaurs there, yeah there, there were so, yeah. there
1: were absolutely and it was a great combination there's so many great tricks you know i'm sure phil tippett felt like oh god i'm extinct but yeah. he found a new path you know and, and now he As visual or digital effects. But, um, you know, there was the option of like, we're going to fight this and we're going to do everything we can and we can do anything they can do, which of course is ridiculous. And Mm -hmm. then, like Greg said, there were people that said, well, we're going to join the digital revolution. And the big thing was, you know, every six months the technology changes. So there's another million dollars and the million dollars you just spent six months ago is worth 50,000. And (laughs) then there was us who said, you know what, we're going to find a way to use this as a tool they'll utilize us. VFX can utilize us and we'll utilize them. And it worked out great. I mean, Sin City is another great example of of the mix. I mean, there's Greg, you know, and his team handled these beautiful makeups in the film. And then, you know, what Robert Rodriguez, the director, decided to do digitally, it just enhanced everything, you know. And at the same time, You know, I was working on Narnia and that was my first big experience with with working hand in hand with VFX. So I I really as soon as I get onto a film, I find out who the VFX supervisor is and I make friends with them really, really quick, because even on set, there's things they can't do. And there's things we can't do. And it just becomes a marriage of the two disciplines so that you now really are working towards, you know, what, what, how do we create what the director's vision is? You know, it's not about like, well, we, we need to have more shots or they need to have more shots. It's not that it's, it's really to me about, what what's the magic trick how can we make this magic trick work and you're right the combination of both disciplines is really what makes the effect work great and and tell the story that's what's most important you don't want to stop the movie and go okay audience here's a big you know digital sequence or or here's a big makeup effect it's it needs to flow and be a part of it and and that's what it is you don't
0: you don't want it to look like a video game no not at all you know the the organic (laughs) is the key word when it comes to Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's prosthetic effects or digital effects or the marriage of both, you're trying to do something that's seamless that people accept and yeah. believe and feel yep. is real. And and a lot of the big effects extravaganzas talk about Marvel movies or whatever. Uh, it's like you're living in a video game.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, but the sad part about that, the sad part about that, Mick, is uh, most most audience members today, they don't care what yeah. it looks like. Yeah. We care what it looks like because we were part of we were part of that that seminal time. You know, going to the theater and seeing the howling or American werewolf in London like that 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 makeup effects revolution in the late 70s, we were we were part of that. So that's our diet. And you know, fortunately, those movies have stood the test of time. Yeah. But the reality is most young people, most young people, I'm going to say most, they, all, all, they play video games more than they watch movies. Right. So they, it doesn't bother them if it looks artificial because even if it looks slightly better than the video game that they're playing, it doesn't bother them because they don't have anything to compare it to. Yeah. Whereas we would compare Alien and Giger and we would compare that creature design um, which has still never been matched. Um, yeah. or the, or, or, or Dick Smith's makeup in the exorcist, which has been copied so many billions of times. Um, and, and you just get to the point where, where you want people to be passionate about it and you want people to, to, to invest in, um, the the practical element of it but the truth of the matter is a lot of people a lot of people don't it doesn't bother they don't care they just don't care well
0: we're all monster kids what were the monster movies that got you going that made you want to make monsters
1: well for me i it was i mean it started with universal for sure creature from the black lagoon was my all-time favorite it still is and I just, I just think it's the coolest thing ever. And I love the what movie. What a flawless suit. It is, it's flaw. I mean, it, you know, if somebody came to me and said, hey, we're gonna, we want to remake Creature from the Black Lagoon, you know, what's your take? I'm like, do exact, same exact monster. I wouldn't change anything. I think any, changing it is is a huge mistake. Um, You know, I love, I love the creature. Uh, as far as like my brain ticking as uh, to thinking about being a makeup artist was when I saw Planet of the Apes. And I was young. I mean, I was my dad took me to see it in the theater and well
0: that was that, 1968 yeah exactly.
1: yeah i was young so i and and uh i was like god somebody must make those you know and that's where i kind of learned you know like oh there's these guys makeup artists and and that's where i f- discovered famous monsters and Forey would put photos in of john chambers you know running foam rubber and sculpting and all that stuff and and you know the those those were really huge films for me um But I, I, you know, I love all monsters. When I, when I first saw Godzilla, I thought that was the most spectacular thing. I was obsessed with Godzilla so and, and King Kong. So, I mean, it's all about monsters, and, and it still is. I'm just crazy about mon. I dream about monsters. I do. I, I rarely do not have a dream where I'm on set doing some sort of makeup effects or monster thing. I, I Last night, I had like four dreams with all my friends in it, and it was all about monsters. And I woke up, I'm like, I just had the best monster dream ever. So, but I love, it. I love You dream your movies. I do. I, no, I, I, and, I dream what i love
2: <clears throat> well the other interesting element is again going back to that time like in the you know the 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 early 70s where if you were a fan of of horror movies or genre stuff you had to work at it you had to find the famous monsters or you had to go buy the castle films digest and then you would w- run it in reverse forward and backwards in super 8 so I always, I always think it's, it's interesting, you know, captain and company, I think the the captain and company in the back of famous monsters created more makeup effects people than anything else um, because you could buy puzzles and t-shirts and posters and model kits and toys of.
0: And Dick Smith's of, book. Yeah.
2: And yes, yes. The, the, yeah. Dick Smith's um how to make a monster book right is that the no not that was the he he did a makeup one yeah he did a makeup book that was the other one but i but you know i i think again you know because it wasn't just you couldn't just go to the internet and watch a youtube video to how to on, on how to do it or research things very very easily you had to work at it and i always talk about when they would play King Kong versus Godzilla, you know, I would get the TV guide every Friday and I would scout or Tuesday or whatever day it came. And you'd go through and you'd circle and dog ear the pages of when the monster movies were on. Yep. Because you couldn't, you could, if you missed it. Oh, well, <laughs> that was it. And then, you know, look, and then you had, you had other such great other fantasy stuff, you know, twilight zone and lost in space and, and star Trek and, and other things our house and
0: movies yeah.
2: our, oh, yeah. uh, our and ray harryhausen that yeah ray harryhausen absolutely because of all this, the castle films you know i think the first movie i had super eight was um seventh voyage of sinbad and it was the cyclops attack and it was in black and white and wow. i thought for years that hmm. seventh voyage of sinbad was in black and white until it was on tv once and it was the whole movie and i went oh, oh my god it's in color And it's more than four minutes long. And it's more than four (laughs) minutes long. It's not just the Cyclops stomping around on the beach.
0: So when you were kids, Howard, what was the first makeup that you ever did where you actually did it, whether it's to yourself or a sibling or whomever and went, that looks
1: pretty good. Well, yeah. I mean, I I was just looking at a bunch of old photos that I thought were good. And I'm like, wow, these are terrible. I I really sucked. Um, But uh, you know, I think, I learned how to, I was like doing casualty makeups on my sisters. I have three sisters and they were all my victims. So I would do little casualty makeups and then, you know, shoot them on 35 and then my dad would go, you know, drop it off. And then I'd go pick it up. And one time there was like worry because there were all these girls that were all beaten up and bloody. And so, but, but I think the first mask, I really learned how to do this by sculpting masks. And I sculpted like a three quarter incredible Hulk mask uh-huh. um, and and I uh, I was utilizing Mike Westmore wrote a great book called theatrical makeup techniques and and I bought it at Friends Beauty Supply which is in North Hollywood and um and I just learned how to do it like followed it you know step by step by step and and that was the first thing was an incredible hook and then of course the second thing was the planet of the Apes so I sculpted a planet of the Apes makeup but because Famous Monsters really wasn't about information it was you know kind of like jokey and so forth and I'm I'm looking at photos of john chambers like looks like he's pouring latex into this mold so into the negative and then he presses the positive in, but I didn't realize it wasn't I didn't realize it was foam rubber, I didn't know about foam rubber so I filled the thing up with slip latex. (laughs) Um, You know, which is made for mass and I put the positive in and it took like three weeks for that to dry, you know, (laughs) and then finally pulled it out and I couldn't glue it on it. I mean, I tried to glue it on myself and it just kept falling off because the piece was so heavy but there was a point where my parents thought it was just a hobby and then as i kept making stuff and making stuff and making stuff they're like maybe this is more than a hobby this is i think something that howard really wants to do and they really indulged me and supported me and and when i went on my hunt to meet Stan Winston and Rick Baker and Dick Smith they were very supportive and encouraging and and let me bother Rick Baker nonstop so you know <laughs> Well that's
0: something wonderful too about people in your profession and it was really begun by Dick Smith. Mm-hmm. He didn't keep secrets. There, not at all. So many yeah. visual yeah. effects people and and magicians and the like, they keep their their techniques proprietary. Mm-hmm. But there's something really wonderful about this uh, the the generations of makeup effects people. They're not precious about their work. They're they're willing to share, and that I think is because of what Dick Smith did.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, Sometimes. and I was, yeah. Sometimes. yeah, I have, <laughs> Sometimes. I have a big, I mean, I have a big giant book of all the notes, Dick Smith, cause I would correspond with Dick when I was younger and, and, um, and I have a big book of all the notes he sent me. You know how to make blood, how to do bladders, how to, you know, do everything. And and uh, it's just a uh, it's and I still reference it, you know, because those are great notes. And and of course, Dick put out a, a you know a course which I have as well. But those notes are really precious to me because they're all personally written by Dick on his letterhead. You know, Larchmont, where he used to live in New York, and yeah, and uh, it's it's cool. And all that stuff worked really well. But I think you know as you as you start working on stuff and playing with stuff as you're younger, you start then figuring out, well, maybe this doesn't work for me, but I'll figure out a way to make it work better for me and and that was it too like reinventing and that's that's the other thing too about our generation and the generation before us that we're we really were inventing this you know there was like two two places you could buy things at there was davis dental and friends beauty supply there was really nothing else and bj or uh uh, polytech uh foam and but we had to find things that we could use that yeah. we not made for our industry. Now you go, you know, online or, I mean, there's a hundred studio or shops that make stuff for our industry. And, and there was um,
0: Dr. Greenspoon who did the, lenses. yeah, he right. Right. And Sherman
1: Oaks. Yeah. He did all the hard contact lenses and, um, But yeah, I mean, we had to figure it all out. It's like how we how did now we want to do this? So how do we figure that out? How do we? So it's really a lot of innovation uh all through the uh 70s and 80s. And and you know, every project that that we that Greg and Bob and I did, and and we had to figure out how to do it. It wasn't like, oh, we can just go to plan A or plan B. It was there was always something new. And we're like, I'm not, I don't know. We just have to figure it out. I mean, we didn't we never made Big giant mechanical buffaloes, but somehow <laughs> we figured it out, and that's that's the fun and the innovation of of what we do, and what are you know the people before us, Rick Baker and Dick Smith and Rob Botton and you know and so yeah. forth, and Lon cheney even before that.
0: So yeah, Greg, who were your heroes?
2: uh Well, you know, I I, I think Tom, I, I think because I was a, a Pittsburgh kid, you know, I saw Night of the Living Dead on Chiller Theater. Um, they played it uncut when I was in like sixth or seventh grade uh, and and George was a guest on the show afterwards and was interviewed. So for me, there was a mystique about the fact that this movie was made in my own hometown and these people were there. And you know, when I got to, to become friends with George, I met George before I ever even met Tom. And, you know, the whole mystique was you don't have to go to Hollywood to make movies. You can make movies in Pittsburgh. And, you know, when you think about Sean Cunningham, you know, who was a a, a Northeast guy. And and then you start thinking about the fact that, you know, it's not just Hollywood. And I think that was that was one of the things that was really important to me. I mean, I loved Erwin Allen stuff. You know, yeah. I I did a ton of drawing when I was was I was a kid. I never sculpted much, but I drew all the time. So for me, I still have my sketchbooks of like re you know drawing, you know Dick Smith's makeup from The Exorcist, and drawing movie posters and things like I I I loved movie poster art. So I was really, I think I was more fascinated with. The, the art behind it than the actual physical sculpting part like Howard was, but you know look I loved Erwin Allen stuff I thought Land of the Giants was the greatest show ever it <laughs> it's not but it's still you know uh, but I loved all that kind of stuff and my parents were huge movie buffs so they they wow. you know they took me to see everything I was I was telling some of the other day um, <clears throat> I think they took me to a double feature of Leg of the Zombies and Dracula Prince of Darkness. Wow. When, I was
0: like, yeah. when
2: I was like eight years old and yeah. there's that scene where, where Clove g- grabs the guy and hangs him upside down and slits his throat and all the blood pours out over the red powder and Christopher <laughs> Lee and Dracula comes out. And I was like, yeah, of course that would make sense to take your kid to see that movie. But <laughs> they, they were really and you know, the other cool thing is my dad Still is a big gadget guy. So when they introduced the 1st real reel-to-reel video player, my dad got one. Uh-huh. And we had a black and white camera. So I was probably 10 years old. So we started making movies. You know, we made Super 8 movies and we made videos and we started collecting films. So I was one of the first people that I ever knew of that had a collection of movies. I think the first two movies that we, uh, that I recorded off TV, because, you know, that was back then it was rabbit ears and you'd plug the VCR and you'd take the the signal from the rabbit ears and record it. it mm-hmm. was The Time Machine uh, and Horror of Dracula were the first two movies that we recorded. And the tapes were only an hour long. So in between commercials, you'd have to like pull the tape off and switch <laughs> the tape. And ultimately that's how George Romero and I got to be friends because I went to set to visit him and took a list of all the movies that my dad had collected. And it was, you know, Viva Zapata. And it was all these great movies and George went through and put a little check mark next to the movies that he liked. And that weekend I went home and made copies of all of them. And the following Monday I drove to set wow. and handed him a box of every movie. And he went, did you even sleep? I said, no, I didn't sleep. I like I stayed up all weekend and made copies of movies for George that that he wanted in his library. Wow. Well,
0: it's really interesting that though you guys are closest of friends and your partners in your business, the trajectory of what you're doing creatively is not the same. Howard, you're on set doing makeups. Uh, and Greg, you've become this incredibly established director and writer and producer of the walking dead series the creep show series and i saw this when you did your first short film we talked about earlier united monster talent agency and was that always something that you wanted to do and you were able to do it out of the knb
2: experience or weirdly it it, it wasn't you know i mean i always had said i wanted to do it once. I just wanted to experience it once. And, you know, look, we all, you know, when we were, when we were younger, we all had projects, you know, Kurtzman was the one that was the most interested in running off and making movies. You know I mean? Bill Butler and I had a, a witch movie that we had wanted to do at one time. And then I had a, a, a vampire script that was, uh, was, that was written by uh, John Esposito um, for me. And, Ultimately, it was always just that kind of like, yeah, we want to make movies. We want, to, you know, I wasn't like, oh, I have to be a director. Um, and you know, it, it, that all that whole thing came about because of Frank and Galen Hurd. Because when season one of The Walking Dead happened, I was the guy on set, and the only two people that really understood the rules of the zombie world were me and Frank. And Frank, after directing the pilot, went back to L.A. to edit, and left me there. And he would he would he would call me and say, "Hey, I need a shot of Michael Rooker's hand. Oh, I need this." And I had directed second unit for George on Land of the Dead, and I had directed second unit for Robert on The Faculty. So a lot of times, you know, it, as you know, when you would have a you would have a, an effect sequence, and sometimes the director would be like, "Look, this is your world." you set it up and shoot it. I'm going to go shoot this scene. And, 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 you know, that happens mostly with stunt people um, mm-hmm. where the stunt coordinators go off and direct the big stunt sequences. Right. But, you know, in my, in my case, I ended up directing a lot of uh, additional photography for a bunch of movies, the mist I directed for Frank. So when season two of, of walking dead came up, he's like, you're you're your ready. He said, you're ready to direct an episode. And, um, andjor
0: and and Frank got booted out of the show,
2: yeah. in the middle of season two because he because he fought with the network um about the quality of the show because they wanted to cut the budget, yeah. But- and you know, it went from me directing one episode to by season two, I was the producing director and directed five episodes out of out of twelve a Amazing. year because they were like, well, you're there you know, the genre, you know, the world. And, um and, you know, I ended up directing 40 episodes of, of, of the series out of 177. I directed That's a 40 pretty episode. big
0: batting average. Yeah. yeah. So you've done a lot of zombie directing.
2: I have indeed. And I, and I still, I still have people coming up to me saying, I have the coolest zombie script, we'd love to send it to you. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it.
1: Yeah. I'm sure.
2: Look, I mean, it's it's kind of funny, but it was, you know, Gail. I I, I give Gail and Frank a lot of credit because when we wrapped season one, Gail called me and said, look, you know, you were our go-to guy on set. And you went and you picked up the camera when you knew we needed footage and you just shot it. Nobody told you what to do. You just did it. So they made me a consulting producer on season one. And by season two, I had a first look deal at AMC. They made me an, an executive producer. So uh, it was one of the most proud moments of my career because it was something I didn't ask for. I didn't right. go to them and say, hey, I think I should be a producer on this project. because uh, They offered it to me and they said, we value your contribution and this is how we want to reward that. And to me, that was the greatest compliment that I've ever had in my career, probably.
0: No, it's fantastic. And Howard, you've never had the desire. You've said to me, you've never had yeah, the desire to I, produce and direct. And uh, well,
1: I, de- I definitely want to produce. I mean, I love it. I don't know if the ship sailed, you know, as I'm rounding 60 years old, you know, but right. uh, I don't know. But, you know, I, I did a little second unit directing here and there and I really enjoyed it. And and um, but, you know, my heart is is being a makeup guy. I love I love makeup and makeup effects. And and my career has changed through the years, Um, you know, where. Prior, you know, to the last 10 years, it was always about just the makeup effects. But now I, you know, Pete Berg actually, you know, forced me into department heading. So that means that I handle everything on set and, and I really enjoy it. And, i i like to just be in control of it all i i you know i i look at what we do is you know what greg and i do is at the shop is we're producing every day you know we're 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 we have we're leaders and we're managers and we know how it all works and how it all goes together and you know nowadays you're on set and it gets very frustrating when the the people that are the producers aren't doing their job and you know you can do their job so i think through the past you know 10 years i've certainly been rethinking and i'm always trying to to find a way to to work my way into the producer unlike greg i i ask um like can i can i please be a producer on this i feel like i'm producing this (laughs) fucking show anyhow um you know and uh but you know i guess they don't value me as much so they they don't they don't go for that sadly uh i've i've tried to negotiate it numerous times and it, it hasn't happened and i don't i don't understand it really because i think yeah. you know i'm not that i'm i'm you know honking my own horn but i think i bring a tremendous amount to the to the shows that i work on that far exceeds just being the makeup guy on the show and, and well I've, i can
0: speak to that know. when we were doing masters of horror for two years we did 26 episodes mm-hmm. two of them were done in japan but all the others were done in vancouver and coming to the set every day everything was under control. You were there, you were smiling as you were doing the work. <laughs> you know, it, it was really an amazing experience for me to be producing films by all these great directors. Oh, yeah. So many of my idols and the like for you, it had to be even more fascinating because you are in a creator's role with those directors fulfilling their visions from oh yeah dario argento to john carpenter no that that was
1: that was a fantastic experience i was just talking the other day about larry cohen yeah and and larry was totally different than what i expected i'm like oh he's probably really difficult and and he was the sweetest guy in the world and every single director it was a complete joy and um and of course dario was that was like the most magical thing to get to work twice with dario and he yeah. was so kind and so so sweet but the, the masters of horror was a fantastic experience because you know it gave k b the opportunity to just produce a lot of a lot of stuff similar like greg is doing with creep show you know uh which is in its fourth season right now and and you know i think some of the best stuff we've produced is in the creep show series i'm really really love all the stuff that greg lets us do i think it's beautiful and and really uh imaginative but masters of horror was was such a fun show I i i really uh i really enjoyed it a lot
0: well what's great about the commitment of kmb is that we're going to make it the best it can be and <laughs> i know you lost money on some of our episodes
1: i'm positive no we didn't know <laughs> who, who told you that <laughs>
2: i can Not almost surmise I would say again, that the the secret was in having three or four different shows at one time. Yeah. Because we we always would beg, borrow, you know, as as, as long as 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 everything across the board. Um, But, you know, we would have if we had three shows, we had three shows covering the overhead of the studio. So we we did, you know, we very rarely um, had to worry, you know, and And again, over the last 14 years, knowing that we have had steady work, we've had steady work in our studio because of The Walking Dead for 14 years. Wow. So that allows us a little bit of an opportunity to step back and breathe and not feel like because, look, there were times years ago where, you know, Howard and I were like, oh, shit, you know, we got to make payroll and, you know, we got to put money in the bank account. And you know, it it, that's just the reality of of running what is, in essence, a small business. It's still, as it, it, big as the projects that we do, I mean, it's still, you're still running a business and you still have a spreadsheet, you still have overhead and payroll. And, and, you know, this summer has been challenging for us because other than Daryl Dixon, you know, we haven't really been working much. So that's been tricky, but, you know, we're also... Uh, I think Howard mentioned earlier, we're a pretty loyal company. Like we, we value our artists and, you know, we, we, we wanted to weather the strike and keep people, um, keep people working. We didn't really, we didn't really want to like close the shop for five months while we were waiting for everybody to, you know, figure out what was going on because, because we value uh, our employees
0: yeah and the people that you <clears throat> are also great to work with i mean karen jackson was the key person on throughout yep. uh, masters of horror and what a delight she, and on, on nightmare cinema uh, she yep. was just amazing on that um but uh, just all of the people that you work with are great but howard creatively what was your biggest challenge i know narnia you won an oscar um and you are now a very important member of the motion picture academy but creatively what was the most challenging project that you ever tackled?
1: well yeah i mean aside from the oscar thing which to me that's it's cool but it's all gravy uh narnia was the first big giant show i felt that really i mean they're all challenging everything's hard army of darkness was oh, was God. super super hard. You know, I saw and,
0: that recently and I thought, yeah, how could great. this possibly be made? Yeah.
1: I mean, I listen, I think it's I think the thing is the films I'm like really proud of, like Dust Till Dawn, really super proud of everything in that. And that was the, the except Greg and I were on set every single day together, and that was like the most fun. We never left set. Greg and I would just sleep, sleep on the floor. It didn't make sense to go home but it was (laughs) there's so
0: many effects there's so much stuff so
1: like dust till dawn is one of my all-time favorites and it was very challenging but so rewarding army of darkness same thing really exhausting and you know we would they would just shoot and shoot and shoot because it was non-union and we were non-union so they just rob tappert the producer just abused the shit out of us (laughs) and uh you know you'd work weeks and weeks and weeks without a break and um and then, you know, Narnia was was really wonderful. I had such a great uh, adventure on that. And and, uh, you know, and then stuff I didn't work on, like I love Sin City. I think the work Greg did on Sin City is outstanding. Um, mm. I love everything in it. I, and I like the movie quite a bit. You know, I it's it, there's something I like about everything we work on. You know, I mean, but none of them are easy. No, nothing's easy. No, everything's a nightmare you know but, it, the one but that it you think it's but in a good be way
2: the one, the one that you think is going to be the easy one is the one that will keep you up at night Yeah, because you go why is this and then you get frustrated cuz like this shouldn't be this hard but you know I, and I keep going back to when we when we first started the company and we began but we were working with a lot of seasoned professionals you know we were working with people like George Romero and and you and but you know, then you have a whole new group of these up-and-coming filmmakers. And they got their chops watching the movies that we worked on. You know, like we we were we were talking, was it Henry Selleck Howard that we did idle hands? Oh, I think yeah. was the movie that we, we were going to, yes. Yeah. We were we were bidding on that movie, and it was basically a remake of Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Um <laughs> And we I remember reading the script and saying to Howard, we did all this already. Yes. Like we've already done this movie. Yeah. But you i know, met you on have, that
0: movie myself and obviously did not make it.
2: Yeah. Well, neither did we. Yeah, we, we, uh, we were but it was but you know, and then away. you have people like you know, Alex Aja and Guillermo del Toro and and a lot of people who who started off, you know, Guillermo's makeup effects artist in in, in Mexico and you know, and and it was these younger filmmakers that came in, you know, Edgar Wright, and they had, they had, you know, I always refer to it as like a ferociously independent. That's the way I like yeah. to describe it. But that's the way I would describe Toby Hooper and George Romero. And it was just like the next cycle was this other group of people. And they were inspired by George's work and, and, and Toby's work and Wes's work and Sean Cunningham. And then they took it to another level, you know and and I think again, it's it's really about, you know, the the people, the inspirations and and again, as as a filmmaker, finding things that you love. And you know, I mean, i' I have four projects in development right now, and I'm reading and watching tons of movies and meeting writers and meeting directors and meeting all these people. And it's really inspiring it's inspiring to watch other people's work you know mike flanagan i i watched i watched uh fall of the house of usher and fell in love with it and i hadn't posted anything on instagram in a year and i've i just had to tell people how in awe of it i was and how much i loved it and he's, he's calling so me because he's trying to get an actor from the walking dead into his movie um and talking about the creep show episode that his brother wrote for me and how much he loved it. And I'm just like, dude, I, I, I can't even speak. I was so, I was so (laughs) floored by, by what he did in that show. So I love finding great movies. Howard and I were texting the other day and I was like, here, you got to watch this movie. You got to watch this movie. You you know? uh, So there, there is still opportunities out there to be inspired and to, and to, and to have, Um, this art form speak to you and that's why it's so tragic that people want to convince you that the movie going experience is coming to a close and that people don't go to the movie theaters anymore you you know you just have to you just have to fight to to keep that art form alive
0: we all know better than that so what has been something what is it howard that you haven't created yet that you really want the opportunity to
1: well i I love character work you know i'd love to do a film or a show that uh has a lot of character makeups be it age makeups um you know i i i just like i like that world a lot you know i i haven't been able to do a show where it's it's um yeah changing changing actors aging them i think is really interesting uh even though i know i keep saying i'm a monster guy i am a monster guy but yeah but you know Nick what Smith
0: was kind of the best at it nobody's he was anything better than what he. yeah
1: was. i mean there's there's some guys that are really i mean vincent van dyke who, oh yeah is a hell of a makeup artist he's done some beautiful work and he worked I'm on always,
0: nightmare cinema as well yeah
1: yeah, yeah right Vincent, yeah vincent did david slade's episode because because exactly. we weren't we couldn't fit it in um right. vincent's great uh but you, you know i I, you know like Greg had said when I watched Fall of the House of Usher I'm like why didn't we do that show I was like <laughs> I wanted because I really dug it too I thought it was yeah. really really good and and I'm like ah see that's the show I would like to do and things like that um, you know things shows that are just fun and because I like to have fun I always say you know when I start a show and I gather my crew together on the first day of shooting I say listen we're all good at what we do you know we know how to do makeup but a lot of people don't know how to have a good time and not have fun. And and we're going to have fun. And this needs to be fun. That's number one priority for me to have a good time. We're not going to stress. We we know, we know how to do the job. We know how to do the job. So, you know, I, I, that's the thing also. I just, I look for stuff that I, I want to have a good time with. I like, if I like the people, I I think I've been doing it so long. I can, I can smell if there's going to be bad fish in the room (laughs) and my first meeting, I'll go to a meeting and I'm like, Eh, ah, I'm not feeling it. I don't like these guys are not for me. I just don't yeah. feel, it. and I go, Hey, you know what? It's all cool, man. And good luck with your show. And, and, uh, but yeah, if I had a feel, if I've got a bad feeling about it, you know, and it's funny, I always will talk to Greg and Greg, and if maybe my inst- my instincts aren't right up, Greg's like, I don't know, how I think this is a bad idea. And I'm like, no, no, it's going to be great. And then afterwards, I'm like, okay, Greg, I'm going to say this and you can write it down. You were right. That was a bad idea. <laughs> Once again, I should have listened to you. And, and, I've had a, and, I've had and a I hate to say those. it,
2: I hate to say it, but my spider sense is generally never wrong. And, and they are, are good. good motherfucker wh- yeah.
1: how did you know yeah I, can, I i don't know yeah i know is yeah. good and then yeah i'm like i don't know what do you think ray's like ah, uh, i think we should just pass i'm like uh, i feel pre- i think we should be we're okay i think we'll be good <laughs> at this. and then afterwards i'm like that was torture on every level those people are terrible
0: it's great so, to be in a place where you can make the choice
1: it is i you feel know. very lucky that that we are and in, in our careers that we can uh, pick and choose to some degree it's been a long long time i don't even think <laughs> i don't even think we have a portfolio anymore Greg, or anything we haven't maintained anything and and we haven't gone out on the hunt for the longest time which is feel very fortunate about and yeah. things come to us you know i mean walking dead has was was very important to k as greg pointed out and um you know it really kind of pushed us in a whole different direction and and as greg said gave us so far 14 years of solid work which i'm very very grateful for and i think the work on walking dead is exceptional too i mean greg created a brand those, yeah. those zombies are their own you know they and every are the time, best zombies they are the best zombies and and, yeah. and and every time i see somebody try to you know you know copy it i'm like no they miss the, they don't get it yeah. they don't they're missing the mark on that yeah. greg has a real specific sense about all the walkers that we do and and you know the other thing is on every every season we start, Greg could easily just say, dude, just pull all those molds and we'll just run everything. But he's like, no, 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 we're going to redo a bunch of stuff. We're going to sculpt wow. this. We're going to sculpt," And that's what keeps it fresh. And the guys in the shop, it keeps it fresh. Like, OK, we're going to do some new stuff. And, you know, and, right. the, you know, when COVID, when we had the COVID issue, Greg had to rethink the whole thing. Like, how do we deal with dentures? How do we do with eyes? And rethought the entire process and and it worked out great and but it gave us a whole different look you know so i love all the stuff on walking dead every time i see stuff and i i was a massive fan you know uh up until greg killed uh, glenn damn you greg nicotero <laughs> i was so pissed after that i called nicotero up i'm like dude i cannot believe what you did tonight <laughs> so you killed abraham and 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 steven yun but uh but I, I I'm a huge fan of all that stuff. I think it's really really beautiful artwork and and yeah. be- well conceived and and well executed. And again, it you know it's Greg leading the charge, and we have you know Carrie Jones works at the shop. He's our shop supervisor, and he really keeps an eye on things. And we have super great people that work with us at King and B, and and, and people on set. Greg has a wonderful set crew, and they they help bring it all the life, and you know under yeah. Greg's orchestration. So
0: so greg what about you you've you've done makeups you've written produced and directed um what have you not yet done that you're dying to to do whether it's a story to tell whether it's a job to do whether it's a I want
2: I want to do, do I want to I want to direct either a star trek or a godzilla episode cuz now they have mon- they have this monarch tv show and I just keep thinking to myself, look, I mean, I love all the Star Trek spin-off stuff on Paramount. You know, I thought Discovery was great. My friend Sinqua was the lead and um and Strange New Worlds. I, I really just enjoy I enjoy that universe, you know, and I and I always think about like how cool it would be to be able to work on a Godzilla project or a dinosaur project. You know, I have I have uh, a a script that 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 we're working on now, um, that is a really cool dinosaur thing, and it's I think that's the kind of stuff that I would I would love to do. I mean, I love I love sci-fi stuff, and um, yeah,
0: I'm sure you'll do it, guys. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining us right. here on the slab but also your work together and our friendships uh i just appreciate you guys so much and and this is just a wonderful chance for us to catch up
1: well thanks mick we really appreciate it too and we're we're honored to be we're always honored to be on your show so thank you thank you yeah very much so all
0: right guys thanks so much and i hope to see you in person soon yeah i hope
2: so too yeah all right good luck uh,
0: in france greg
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Vive la France.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris. Download new episodes every Wednesday or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Postmortem with Mick Garris is produced by Mick Garris and Joe Russo. Our sound engineer is Christopher Leon Price. Our announcer is Jeff Gelb. Our graphic designer is John Holland. And our theme was composed and performed by Bill Burney with additional music by John Jasensky. If you're enjoying our show, please take a moment to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.